welcome to Beyond the Scars. I am your host, Olivia. And I'm Gianni Storm. This is a new podcast where we share real people and their stories of perseverance. Remember, scars show toughness, that you've been through it and you're still standing. Today we have Nisi J, an Ohio native who currently resides in Greensboro, North Carolina. Nisi is the author of the book Behind Closed Doors, Wife, Mother, Grandmother, and a True Believer in Christ. She will take us on an emotional journey, sharing her truth of molestation, physical, emotional, and verbal abuse, and her pathway to free herself from those traumatic events. Hi, Nisi. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hello. Thanks for having me. Of course. Guide us to Lorraine, Ohio, on Lexington Ave, the grade two family home, as you describe, a peaceful place where kids could be kids. How was life as a child and your family dynamic? Okay, so Lorraine, Ohio, first of all, is a small, very small city, um, probably 65,000 people. And basically, Lorraine was a very, like, a very tight-knit um, city. Like, everybody knew everybody. Growing up there was, it was great for me. I know a lot of other people had issues, but for me, it was, <laughs> I had, you know, my sister, um, you know, plenty of friends on our block. Um, we grew up in a, it's like a two-story family home. And while living there, we had my aunt who lived, you know, above us. Um, we lived downstairs and just having all of us together was like, you know, great. Cause I had my cousins up there and, you know, my friends next door, my sister. Oh, so so it a was a big family. Everybody knew each other. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, being that the city's so small, everybody knew each other and we all gathered on that one block in Lexington Avenue. I mean, the block stayed packed with kids. <laughs> so it was an awesome time growing up there. It really was. And that's what I was actually about to ask. Did you have any cousins that were your age around? Um, my cousin, I'm the oldest of all the grandkids. So um, mm -hmm. everybody is about, I don't know, two, three years behind each other. And it's not a whole mm -hmm. lot of, it's like 11 or 12 of us. Um, but yeah, my cousins that stayed above us, um, I believe he's two, three years younger than me. Okay. Um, then my other one, his brother, yeah, he'll, he's right behind him. So yeah, we were all close in age. So we all were tight knit. Like, was there kids gathering on holidays or for birthdays? Did they come over to the block? Was it like that kind of a family, like a very close knit? Yeah, um, we did a whole lot of things over there. I mean, with our friends, we would have plenty of sleepovers. Now that I will never forget. We had sleepovers like crazy. <laughs> um, we had friends that stayed around the corner and we would always go over there, um, stay the night. There was house parties growing. I mean, it was so much to do. Over mm -hmm. I mean, I had so much fun. I swear, I wish I could go back. But I had so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> what did your parents do for a living? So my mom, she's retired. My father passed away in 2005 um, of cancer. But at the time, my father was a correction officer and my mother worked in retail and she was a manager all the way up until my father retired when he got sick. 
my mom retired from um, a nursing home. She's just sitting at home <laughs> enjoying yeah, life. She's enjoying, yeah. And your grandparents, so you have your, your grandparents on your mother's side and grandparents on your father's side. Tell us about your grandparents. Um, my grandparents um, on my mother's side, wow, people are probably going to be in awe, but my grandparents on my mother's side raised 24, there was 28 kids, 24 of which that um, survived. So during the first four, um, you know, passed probably during birth or right after birth. Mm-hmm. So um, they raised 24 children. Wow. And, it, wow. and they're all biological. They're all their children. There's no adopted children. They're all from them. How many years were they having children? <laughs> Just going through the list the other day, me and my cousin was talking about the um, years between all of them. Yes. And the most I believe I saw out of two of the kids, I think it was a two years apart, maybe a year and a half apart, but wow. everybody pretty much it's a year. Wow. Like, yeah. Each yeah. year having a child. Wow. Yeah. Yes. A real so, family treat. That's a huge family treat. Oh, yeah. My grandmother, if she was still here, she would tell you. She was a firm believer in um, be fruitful and multiply. And she was seriously, like, into the Bible. So she really believed in that. And they lived in a two-bedroom home. Um, you can imagine back then. You know, it was tough. My father's parents, um, my grandmother, she worked for the Lorraine City Schools. My grandfather worked for the city. He was a supervisor for the city. Um, And he did that until he retired and she worked for the schools until she retired. So they all worked. My father's side, had there were six of them. Not as many as (laughs) my (laughs) other grandparents. Not in comparison, right. (laughs) But... Throughout the years, they did raise 83, well, now I won't say raise, but they took in 83, 83 or 86, I want to say 83 um, foster children throughout wow. the year. Yeah, they're big on family. Yes, that's what I was going to say. It seems like family in your life has been a big thing and a lot of family too. And making that work, that's hard sometimes to make work, Emily. So that's beautiful. That's right. a beautiful thing. So in the book, you describe that after school, you will go to your grandparents house tell us about that um so being that my father and my mother both worked um my father worked swing shifts my mom you know retail hours um so a lot of times you know they're gone when we get out of school or we're getting to go to school whatever so uh we had to go either to my aunt and uncle's house who stayed across the street from us or to my grandparents house and um a lot majority of the time we had to go to our grandparents house um and there is my uncle there was two of my uncles who lived there as well with my grandparents um so I believe I can't say exactly when we started going over there because we might have been I might have been younger than six or seven I mean yeah younger than six or seven but I know for sure you know around the age of seven I was going over there um, a lot and was my sister going over there was at the beginning it was it was you know hey we're going to see our grandparents it's going to be fun because grandma always spoiled us you know with things <laughs> they were probably in their mm, 50s but it was it was it was uh, it was good for the most part until things started happening 
after you, of course, you were going to your grandparents a lot because your parents worked and so you needed to go somewhere after school. Can you describe to us your first memory of abuse? Um, so I can't tell you that what I'm going to speak of was the very first time, but what I do remember is sitting at a dining room table, having a snack or dinner, whatever we were eating. And I can't even say if this was right after school. It may have been on the weekend because sometimes we did go there on the weekends as well. But I recall after eating, being sent to take a nap. So I'm sure it was on the weekend because we had to take a nap. Um, And my grandfather had us take a nap. He would always put us in separate rooms when he put us down because there were two beds in their rooms. I never understood why we were, me and my sister were separated. How old um, was your sister at that time? We're 10 months apart. Okay. Um, so we would go up for a nap and I recall him walking in and um, climbing into the bed with me. And he talked to me for a little bit and then just things started happening to where he's um, touching me. and. He's touching me and grinding on me and having me touch his, you know, private area, um, kissing on me, just things that I know now that completely didn't know then was actually wrong. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. You were seven. After that happened, what was the immediate action after that? There was none. There was none. Um, It was more of, I don't know what's really going on. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know what to do, but to go back to sleep or try to go back to sleep or take my nap, you know? Um, So if I remember right, that's exactly what I did. I just laid there and tried to go to sleep. As if nothing happened. Right. So then when you wake up, was it seeing your granddad the next day? Was it awkward? You know, it's weird when it, I've been asked that before. And I, you know, and it's so weird because I can't even say it was weird. I I don't know what it was. I I really don't know. Um, I don't know. I can't even, I, I've never really been able to answer the question because, um, again, I don't, that's normal. You know what I mean? Like right. it's, it's hard to say at that time. I just didn't know if it was normal. So I just continued on as if, you know. Cause you were so young though, as a kid, you're still kind of learning. Okay. Okay. This is not, and, right. and him being the literally the authority figure, the grandfather, um, completely confusing. I could see how you don't know what you felt. You Right. So after that, did you tell? No. Um, I said absolutely nothing. And it honestly, it took years before I actually opened up about um, what happened. Um, I didn't tell because I, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know if it was okay to speak on it. I didn't know if what I was going to say was 
a bad thing, a good, I didn't know. I mean, nowadays, kids will say, hey, this person touched me. For me, I did, I had no idea. I mean. And it's a different time now, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we were aware and we let kids know. You know, if it, if it happens, you have to speak on it. Not that my parents didn't. Right. But I don't think it was instilled in us as much because you never think. My mom and dad didn't put us with people they didn't trust. So there's really, my, my mom just told me, I would have never thought that would have happened. We didn't think we had to protect you from Your this. Own. And that's the only people that really watched us besides, you know, us playing with our friends and being at their parents' house. So they did tell us things, but these are people that they trusted wholeheartedly. And so there was really no reason to say, oh, well, you know, if your grandfather or your uncle touch you, make sure you let us know. Why would they? Nowadays, we have to do that. So after that incident, you were um, still going to grandparents' house after Mm -hmm. school? And Mm -hmm. did this behavior continue? It did. Um, It happened several times. Um, I probably was about 11. Um, that I can recall, it might have been 10, I don't know, but I know, I, I, it probably was around 11, I might have been in the sixth grade or something that I believe it stopped. Um, in between time, I, it happened to me from my uncle as well. And I was still going over there. My uncle, he only did that one time. Not that it made it any better, but he did it one time. Um, and he told me, uh, don't say anything. That's, I mean, that's the only thing I can remember. Don't say anything. You know, as a child and someone just telling you, don't say nothing, automatically, you're just not going to say anything. I didn't. I just kept it all to myself. Um, inside, as I got older, I started to feel weird being around older men. However, I never made it a point to say, no, I don't want to go over there. I just mm-hmm. felt uncomf- I started to feel uncomfortable as I got older. Mm. Still not saying anything. Did you ever have anger towards your grandfather or towards your uncle? Like anything that would show in school or in your grades or anything like that? What's crazy about how I felt about them? I know, man, I don't know if it's because my father and my parents always instilled God in us and, you know, how to be you know, good towards people. Um, But I know that I've never held any hate towards them, even getting older. I just took it out another way. I never did it towards them, like having a direct attitude towards them. Um, Again, it was just an uncomfortable feeling being around them, but to really be nasty to them, no. the way that it came out was more of me being so aggressive and um, fighting, you know, a lot. I fought a lot. Really? I mean, I, when I say a lot, anybody that knows me, they t- even tell my husband to this day, <laughs> she was a firecracker. I fought a lot wow. in school, um, in the neighborhood. I fought more boys than girls. Wow. And that was just you redirecting this anger. Right. I believe so. Now, thinking about everything now, yes, right. it was just letting everything out. But I fought so many boys. I did fight girls. Um, But 
My grades were so-so. Um, I skipped class a lot. <laughs> Still graduated on time, but I, <laughs> I skipped class. I was defiant, you know, to my teachers, to my parents. I had a lot of anger, a lot. As teenagers, you know, a lot of teenagers act out and parents will, you know, wonder what is their problem, yeah. you know? But then you think, oh, they're just being a teen. Yeah. Um, but there's always something behind why we act out. But no one really takes the time to find out because they're, just, again, oh, they're just being a kid. Mm-hmm. But I believe a lot of my anger was because of that. <laughs> just a few years ago, I just found out that my cousin, he was going through the same thing. My sister just told me after I wrote the book, because I've been asking her for years, because I never saw anything weird, you know, from them to the, the other kids. But something always wanted me to ask, you know, did this happen to you guys? And my sister for years would say, no, 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 no. Wow. Um, and she just after the book, after I wrote the book and she read it, she finally admitted that it happened to her one time for my grandfather. Um, my cousin, he, the one that lived above me when we were growing up, it happened to him as well. And two of my other cousins. Yeah. So that book really sparked people opening up about it in your family. Wow. Yeah. All right. So let's fast forward a little bit. Let's get to Nisi and high school. Um, so high school, um, after leaving junior high, of course, it's a whole new world at this point. I had a boyfriend that I was with from seventh grade up until my ninth grade year. And then when I got to high school, you know, it's just a whole new ball game. You got older guys and instantly that was the attraction. Older guys. Yes. And being a freshman, it was like, oh, I wonder, you know, <laughs> if I every freshman to every senior. <laughs> right. Can I get a basketball player? <laughs> a football player? Right, right. <laughs> um, so yes, I actually ended up with a senior. So high school was pretty cool. I mean, I had I had a ball. I did, but that's where I acted out the most. Um I think, no, I think junior high was the worst, but nonetheless, I still was fighting a lot in high school. I still, um, skipping class, just being honorary. I mean, I went to class when I wanted to, (laughs) I pretty much did what I wanted to, um, you know, just acting out, but, um, I tried to be good when I could, (laughs) (laughs) but I definitely, um, yeah, I ended up meeting my first husband my kid's father so at that point when you met him just your boyfriend um your soon-to-be husband you hadn't still told anyone about what had happened to you in the past the abuse no mm -mm. even the boy that I was with prior to the new guy uh, we were together for two years and I and I trusted him he was my first love and I trusted him with you know I trusted him and I, I never told him. Um, so when I became, when I got into my high school years and I ended up with my kid's father, I told him when I turned 15 and, um, 
I didn't tell him everything. I told him just little bits and pieces of what happened. Too scared to really get into detail. It was almost embarrassing. How did he react? Was And did he ever use it against you? Never, never. He actually was in awe. Like, you know, wow. Shocked. You know, he believed he was shocked. Yeah, he had met them. And I think that's the problem. He met them. They didn't come across as those type of people. He asked me, did you tell your parents? And I explained to him why I didn't tell them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kept it a secret. I continued to keep it a secret. So you graduate high school. You have your boyfriend. What happens next? You get married. Yes. So he graduated in 90. I graduated in 93. Um, so, yeah, we, we got married, had the two kids. I believe I was 21 when we got married. I was with him from the age of 14 till 28. Wow. Like almost 14 years. But um, a lot of what happened to me damaged our relationship. Not that he knows that. He wouldn't have known that. But I know now it damaged our relationship. It affected um, the way I loved him. It affected our communication. It, it affected a lot. Um, what's weird about it is that with all of that stuff that had happened to me, there were moments where I always wanted to have sex. Always wanted to have sex. Mm-hmm. And when we were going through what we were going through, our sex life to him was very important. Mm-hmm. But for me, at times, it was not. Even though I've always wanted to have sex. Like, my, everything was just all over the place. Mm-hmm. So I had I always wanted to have sex because of what I went through. Then there was times where I was pushing back and I didn't want it because of what I went through. If that makes sense. It's almost like like a a seesaw. It's never a nice balance. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So it caused a lot of issues. Um, There was times where I was like, just spend time with us. More time because he worked a lot. Mm -hmm. And it was just more of, I wanted to feel more protected. I wanted to feel that I just wanted us to all be closed and just yeah. do things together and not just focus on the sex because he focused more on sex than anything. <laughs> and that's like, no, I don't know. Like, you know, so it, it, it yeah. caused a lot of issues. I mean, and that was your first real serious relationship. Of course, it, was, it lasted that long. You guys had children, the highs, the lows. Up until that point, you were going through a lot. Did you have any positivity going on in your life at that time? Did you have anything to look forward to even? Just raising my kids, that was the my my focus. It, that was it. They were my biggest accomplishment, my biggest joy. So just being there with them was the the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Um I'm just trying I want to understand now you're growing your family. How are you um engaging your family, your children, with your parents, your grandparents, this uncle? How, or are you, are you all segregated where you just have your family and you're with your mom and your dad? Were you still seeing your granddad and bringing your children to your granddads and grandmas? Yeah, so what's odd about that is you would think, you know, with everything that happened, you know, no, I don't want them around them. Um, But as I stated earlier, I never held any anger towards them. Um, And I've always taught my kids 
the same. You know, you just don't hold grudges. You don't, you know. Um, so holidays, Christmas, my grandma was big on the Christmas um, and family coming over. Um, so we would always, if there was gatherings, barbecue, whatever is going on at my grandparents' house, I would still take my kids um, over there. Did I keep close to me? I did. Do I, you know, if they're running around and I don't see them, hey, you know, where are you at? What are you doing? You know, so I'm always wondering where they're doing, you know, just keeping an eye on them. But we still, you know, gather together um, again, feeling uncomfortable, but not angry. Okay. So you're working at a convenience store. You're already divorced or separated. And some guy, comes with this awesome, awesome pickup line. He says, I'm really trying to quit smoking, but I need a good woman to help me with that. Can I get a pack of Newport? <laughs> what happened? Oh, God. I remember that like it was yesterday. I just remember being there working and this same gentleman would constantly come into the store and... <laughs> He came in with that whack pickup line. <laughs> but then I found it cute at the same time. I knew he was not from our city, but, you know, he's cute. Um, I, I regret. <laughs> I can say I regret that day. And this is where you experienced. I mean, it's so traumatic, the abuse that was going on in that relationship. Um. So as I stated, you know, at the beginning, it was like, oh, you know, he's a nice looking guy. I was already in a relationship prior to meeting him. And the guy that I was with, I was with him for a year. Um, and he's a childhood friend that I knew since I was like 10 or 11. I was with that guy for a year, but he was with someone who he was engaged to. This shows that I didn't care because of stuff that happened to me. Mm. Um, I didn't care about anybody's feelings. I didn't care if I hurt somebody. And we had a great, and it's so great, we had a great, great, great relationship. We got along. We were like best friends. Everything was great about us, um, except her. I told him he needed to pull off his wedding in order to be with me, yada, yada, yada. Anyways, fast forward, I meet this other guy who got my mind off of that situation. So it was like, okay finally can be with someone who is just for me and it's just me. So I ended up breaking up with this great guy who I, God, I regret breaking up with him to be with this idiot. Months go by where I thought he was a great guy too. And then I find out he's on drugs mm. and that's where everything went downhill. The abuse started physically abusive. He attempted to kill me several times. How long were you with him? 2001 till I divorced him in 2012. However, wow. however, um, I, in between in those years, I did try to separate myself. But if you once a person reads the book, they'll understand why it took so long for me to get out. I had to stay in order to save me. Mm-hmm. What was your pathway to free yourself? What was your pathway to your healing? I don't know, maybe 2009 is when I really, I started to just really dig into what I needed to do to get out of all of this BS, to free myself from all of the hurt and pain that I was going through and the abuse that I was going through at that time. 
I had to fight back. So when I started literally physically fighting back with him, that's when I knew, okay, it was almost like I was trapped and I started fighting my way out of whatever I was trapped in. And that meant fighting physically with him to heal from everything that happened to me when I was a child to that present moment. And so um, fighting him made me realize, you know what? You're not, you're not weak. Granted, no one, please don't think fighting is okay because it's right. not. However, for me to just realize that I'm not weak, I'm not going to let people take advantage and hurt me anymore. I had to do this. And fighting him was, like I said, part of it was to save my life. The, the last time that we actually fought, I almost went to jail. I I would have been in, right. I wouldn't be talking to you guys right now. I would be literally in prison for murder. It so it was that bad the very last time. And at that time it was like, okay, I'm ready to be happy. There was like, there was nothing else that I could do. <laughs> he got the worst of it, but. <laughs> <It'll be> okay. <laughs> and how did you find your pathway? What, what was your pathway? to getting through your trauma and how did you know that was your pathway was was it revealed to you or was it something that you've always done throughout your life so you use that skill set how did you come to where you are after all of that had happened there was something that in me I remember sitting on my floor and I I just busted out crying and I threw my hands up and I just kept saying, Jesus, 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 just kept saying it over and over and over again. When I did that, it was like, he's, he's telling me, okay, child, stay still, just stay still. I'll never forget doing that. At that point, I had to sit still and let what God was going to do for me, let it just happen. Stop being so angry. Stop being physical. Right now, at that moment, I had to forgive everybody, including him, for putting his hands on me, my uncle, my, my grandfather. Soon as I got that, that message to, to forgive, that's when things started to change. That's when I started to feel at peace about a lot of stuff. From that point, 2010, he went to prison. So my, <laughs> so everything was answered. <laughs> I can, you know, start over. I can, you know, heal. My grandfather at that yeah. point, dead. Things were starting to look up. So, yes. And I felt it all. I felt everything. Like, everything just started to, it was so, ugh. And then when I took him to the jail, in 2010 dropped him off that was it it was it was a whole new whole new world at that point and so whatever happened from that point was on me Hmm. so how did we get to behind closed doors the book that you wrote 2017 uh, I remember sitting on my bed me and my husband had a little disagreement that day um again sometimes my anger is from my past, um, but I know how to catch it. And so that particular day, I was like, you know what? I'm still angry about, I still have stuff in me. So I just sat down on my bed and grabbed my paper, grabbed my pen, and I started writing. Mm-hmm. And 
just about stuff that was starting, you know, that had happened to me. Nothing, <laughs> nothing that's supposed to be in a book. I was just writing. And then while I'm writing, I told my husband, I said, I should write a book hmm. about all of this stuff that happened. And that's what I did. Um, so when I started writing it, I just found myself writing everything and I was feeling a little better. And so I said, I'm just going to write this book. So it took me four years earlier this year while at work. Um, I was in my office and I finished up writing and put it in book form. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, that's how it happened. So it's almost like this was the next phase of your healing. Yes, exactly. The second part, so you have the book and then you have a guided journal. So why the guided journal? To be honest with you, I never wrote in a journal ever in my life. Never wrote in a diary, nothing. Um, I've always just picked up a piece of notebook paper. And like I said, whatever I feel, even if I just want to explain something to my husband or whoever, I always wrote it on paper. You know, growing up um, in the 80s, that's how we expressed ourselves. We didn't have the cell phone. We didn't have texting. So everything was on paper. And you're more apt to get everything out that you really want to express without somebody cutting you off. So you write it on paper and give it to them. So with a journal, well, obviously with the book, that was my healing to put it on paper. So the journal came about one, because a friend of mine, she wrote a journal, but it was a, it's totally different from what I got. Mm -hmm. Um, It's your future husband journal. So it's totally opposite. Um, I was like, you know what? I wrote in this book. So a journal, I think would help someone else who's not going to really write a book. So let me just put this journal together, put it on paper. And if you do that, then you're more apt to get all of your feelings out. And then I thought how, just because you're writing on, on, in a journal, how do they heal? Because they can just go to Walmart or a dollar store and buy a journal. Right. But then I said, well, if I write this type of journal with a promissory note, with all the things that's affirmations and things that's in it, this may help them. This may encourage them because, again, you're more apt to keep a promise to yourself. That's, that was the reason for the promissory note, to be sure to promise yourself that you are going to not be like me and hold things back, but to promise yourself to give it to someone who you really trust with your secrets because once they read it nine times out of ten they're coming back and they're going to talk to you about it mm-hmm. that right there begins your conversation that begins a healing because now that person can take you by the hand and say okay what do we do next do you want to go see a counselor do you want to talk to your parent you know what i mean so that was the whole thing when you can communicate and trust as i did not that helps yes what is life like for you now? Obviously, like you said, you're, it's not perfect. You you still are healing. It's a it's a lifelong thing. But what's life like now? Life now, let me just say, since I've been in North Carolina, it's been great. Just leaving Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I miss Ohio. Don't get me wrong. I do. But being here, um, it's opened a lot of doors for me. It's changed a lot of things. The book has done a lot. When it came out, I went back home and had my first, actually I had two book signings and those were my first. Um, I had to take it back home because that's where everything started. Some people were like, why didn't you do it here? Cause this is where you live because it started there. So I want to share with 
my friends, the community. Um, and in doing so, it opened up a lot of people mm. to actually express what happened to them. I literally had several people walk into the venue where I had my book signing and cried in my arms. I have a specific picture that I will never, Aww. that I will never get rid of because she literally cried in my arms. And so um, there was, you know, another person, same thing. And so the response from it all has been, has been great. Wow. Beautiful. You, even the response from your family members? Yes, actually, yes. Um, oh. My mom, she really read everything and really took everything. Because again, she didn't know everything from A to Z. Um, she knew what she needed to know, but she really like the abuse and the extent of the abuse. Um, she didn't know all of that. So after reading it, she was, she was shocked, but um, oh, yeah, it, I haven't gotten any negative feedback. Right. What would you say to us, to our listeners or to a youngster? What can we take from you for the, the process of healing? First, I would say, get that journal, number one, period. Pray on, you know, your situation and just reach out to someone that you trust. I mean, counseling did not work for me, not to say that it won't work for someone else, but there's always someone out there that you need to talk to. Mm -hmm. um, but I would definitely say, don't hold back. Don't hold anything in. Let it go because it internally it will damage you. It, you will become a destructive person, an angry person, and no one wants that. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing your message, um, your process of healing, and being very vulnerable with us. You're welcome. Where can you find your book and journal? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can actually go on Amazon. My book and my journal both are there. Or you can go to my website, which is IamNiciJ.com. Um, that's N-E-I-C-E-E-J.com. If you purchase it through my website, it will be an autographed copy. However, if you go through Amazon, of course, it will not be. You'll get it a little quicker, maybe, um, but it will not be an autographed copy. So yes, IamNiciJ.com is where you can purchase the book and journal. Thank you so much, Nisi, for joining us. We just really appreciate you for telling your story and joining us. Thank, Thank you. you so much. You're welcome. That was a little tough, but that was really good, right? It felt uh, emotional, but I also felt like I could see how everybody's story intertwines. Like if you can see that healing journey through everybody and it's great advice. Even if you haven't been through something as traumatic as that, you can still use that book to heal. Yeah. And it's important that you even say that. That's why we do Beyond the Scars. It's, a, it's literally what you said. All the stories are intertwined. We are intertwined and we can use each other because I may go through something prior to you going through it. But if I can hear your story, maybe I can either prepare myself or I can avoid something. Yes. That's wisdom. That's true wisdom. Yep. True wisdom. All right. So that's all we have for this week. You guys can join us next week for another episode of Beyond the Scots.